0: This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it.
1: I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker.
0: And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neo Modern, and Grumpy Old Man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey Suzanne.
1: Hey Reuben. How's right. it going? Long time no chat.
0: I know. I'm once again. I don't like our shows begin with me saying like I miss you. It's been it's been too long. You know?
1: <laughs> we need to come up with something. Else,
0: <laughs> yes, I know, but it is great to see you. I like that. I like what you're wearing. That's kind of a what is that? is that? Thank awesome? you. I went
1: like 60s meets Cleopatra somehow today. It was just wow, you know, when something just like jumps out at your closet, you're like, I haven't worn this. I either need to wear it or I need to uh not wear it. I love that I'm talking about my outfit on a podcast. This is a you great know, way to start a show. And Good. I never, <laughs> <Good> move, <Suzanne. laughs>
0: I've never had the experience of walking into my closet and having something demand to be worn that hasn't really? even, I don't think that's ever happened to me.
1: Hmm. It doesn't always happen, but it's like a, it's like a good day kind of it, thing.
0: It is a good and, day.
1: And we have, and Kelly, I know you're like a, such a, such a fan of this, of her gallery. And we finally get to meet her. You finally get I, to meet her. So I, I think I, maybe it's just all these things coming together.
0: Well, it is. I mean, okay. So I, I will say, I don't, I'm not real familiar with the gallery world. I know a few galleries here and there, but I was always surprised that PhotoEye is the name of a gallery that has been in my head for a very long time. And I didn't even know where it was. It's like an institution that you hear about. There are shows there, books coming out, like whatever it is, it's something that I knew of, but I didn't know how I knew of it. And then I guess one day I was in Santa Fe driving around and then I saw... Photo eye, it's and it's next door to my brother's. It was next door to my brother's house, and I thought, "Oh my gosh!" I thought that's photo eye. Oh my god! And when <laughs> I, I walked up, and it had just moved, like it had left, and I didn't know where it had gone. And then, like another few years went by, and I don't know what it was. I was talking to someone, or realized the photo eye just moved down the street and then moved to another part of Santa Fe. And then <laughs> I had an opportunity like, Oh, there's a someone who runs photo I that like the gallery at photo Eye, there's a person who's the architect of that place. And it's yeah, Ann Kelly. Yeah. So yeah, like, how cool is it? I, <laughs> I thought what a chance to, what a great way to, you know, I could meet Ann and we could do a show. And so, Ann, thank you for joining us. This is Ann Kelly. This is Suzanne, Suzanne, Ann.
2: Hi, Ann. Nice to meet you, Suzanne. And- <laughs> Thanks for having me.
0: Well, uh, and you are the director of PhotoEye, right? How long have you, and is it is it one of the few, I mean, it's been an institution for a long time. How long have you been there?
2: I, I am the director of PhotoEye and I've, I've been with them for 15 years now.
0: Ah, that's very legit.
2: Somehow, yeah.
0: <laughs> Somehow. did and, and what brought you to PhotoEye? Like, what was it when you got there? Kind of curious, because it's such an institution now. Was it that then or did you- build it into what it is.
2: I, I think it was that at the time photo has been around for 41 years now.
0: Oh, wow. The,
2: yeah. Luckily I got to help plan the 40th anniversary party when that
1: was still possible. So <laughs> that, that was timed well. So that was pre COVID then you, yeah. you were able to celebrate 40 years. Well, that's right. fantastic.
0: So t- for people who don't know photo, can you describe what, what that, it's more than a gallery, right?
2: It is. It is. So, like I said, um, 41 years in the making, PhotoEye does a lot of things, but we're primarily a gallery as well as a bookstore. And the bookstore is now the oldest and largest photo bookstore in the country. Wow. wow. Yes. And so the owner and founder Rickson is and Reed, and that actually goes back to the, the gallery. Oh. In New York, Rickson worked in the in the book department at the Witkin Gallery back in the seventies, and wow. he ended up starting Photo Eye with his partner Vicky in their house in Austin, Texas, in nineteen seventy nine, I want to say, and then they moved to Santa Fe in nineteen ninety one, which is where they opened. location on Garcia Street Uh. mentioned. So that was the home of both the bookstore and gallery for, for many years. So it started as the bookstore when it opened, but naturally, because the specialty was photo books, photography books, people wanted to make prints and show them on the wall. And so that just kind of started as a casual thing and then developed into the gallery. And then the gallery became substantial enough that it required a second location. So for a number of years, there were two different oh. photo eye locations on Garcia street that were a few doors apart. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, even just with the books, there were so many books, the the space became a problem. The, the books were taking over. The entire space and the area kind of off of Rafina started growing along with Meow Wolf became Mm -hmm. town and they started building over there. And so we got a larger space over on Rafina Circle and the bookstore has been there for a few years and we just moved the gallery over there this past year
0: what's showing in the gallery now at, do you have anything moment,
2: featured at the moment we have a few different artists up we have mark clett beth moon Ooh. and um and mitch doe browner and there is a bryant austin piece to the oh. left my desk, i believe bryant's Yes. Been on show, I,
0: I, I found, I, I discovered his work years ago and blew me away. I couldn't, you know, so that's amazing. Um, moon, does she do the trees? Is that, that's not her, is it? It,
2: it is. She doesn't just photograph trees, but she has been photographing the oldest trees in the world for about 20 years.
0: Yeah. Gorgeous, now, so. gorgeous pictures of trees. Every time I feel like I, I love taking pictures of trees and I've, over the years, I've got a number of pictures I'm very proud of. And then I look at her stuff and think, oh yeah, right. That's what trees, that's how trees should
1: look. <laughs> it's <That's> amazing. <laughs> She's incredible. Yeah. Um, well, in addition, and then in addition to the physical space, you have like a, a, a great blog where you do interviews, yeah. you, um, you kind of like showcase new work um, and you also have tips for collecting photography. Is that true?
2: That is true. That that is one of the blog posts I put together. And what
0: what kind of tips do you have for collectors? I you know I would love to. Get a, <laughs> I, I could read it. I suppose I'm curious for people who haven't read it. What what uh, kind of tips do you have for starting collecting?
2: Well, my main my my first tip is is just collect what you love, which is pretty simple. But I think a lot of people get caught up in the collectability of things and. Mm-hmm what it's going to be worth in the future. So I think that that is the most important thing, first and foremost. And then also just spending a lot of time thinking about what types of work. Well, I guess that's kind of connected, but I was going to say what types of work speak to you? Maybe just in terms of focusing a collection, Mm -hmm. are you going to collect, maybe there's a, a theme or type of work you wanna collect. I've also heard interesting stories from collectors that have collected from decades and then realized that they actually did have kind of a theme going on. I used to do that.
0: I would look at, you know, my father had been collecting as I was growing up and he would say that he just got things that he liked. But as I was sort of organizing this large volume of things, I was finding like there are things that themes you may not notice it but like you like minimalism or you like New York in the 40s or like there would be certain segments that were getting more heavily collected but I don't think he ever thought of it like I'm looking for stuff from New York in the 40s I think he would just see something and be like oh that's great I love that and that's what it would be something like that sure. uh, have you have you looked at um I mean I I kind of hate to derail stuff already but like NFTs. Have you you have you been thinking about this space? An NFT is a crypto currency, fungible token. Yes, that's what it stands for. But it's like a way to use crypto to for artists to start to monetize in a different way. And uh, I don't know. I was curious if you have any thoughts on that. Do you think it's? Um, and the reason I say that is because when you talk about buying things that you like as your collector. I, I kind of feel that NFTs fly in the face of that. It, it's almost not getting anything. You're just buying it as an investment, which is antithetical to like being a collector. i not antithetical maybe because many people invest in art, but it's very difficult to be invested. You, you just don't know what is going to be valuable in the future. And uh, NFTs is you like- You
1: can't hang the, it on your wall. <laughs> it's the work
0: It's the work part without the art part, <laughs> kind of.
2: I'm I've been following it. I want to say pretty closely and i'm pretty not to say i'm an expert on it but i'm pretty fascinated with it to to say the least and i guess among the things that have really fascinated me is that nfts have been around for for quite some time but there's been this recent kind of boom Mm -hmm. of course there was the the christie's auction that really kind of pointed the spotlight why don't you on explain on
0: that to uh, people who don't know what happened at the Christie's auction?
2: I wish I had the exact numbers in front of yeah. me. I don't know if anybody else does, but um, at, uh, an NFT was auctioned off at Christie's a number
1: <laughs> of months ago. Feb- it, was, it, Beeple's? Was Beeple.
0: it was Beeple's yeah. thing. It went for a fortune. Do you have the number?
1: Uh, I was actually just bringing it up, but it looks—I thought it was higher than this. So this was uh, before Beeple's six point six million dollar sale at Christie's. Kang had broken all previous records by buying Beeple's MF collection for seven hundred and seventy-seven thousand seven hundred uh, and seventy-seven dollars and seventy-seven cents on the non-fungible token platform Nifty Gateway.
0: Yeah, yeah, six million for uh, basically a certificate of authenticity. Actually, for digital art. Uh, Maybe it makes more sense a little bit, but I, I I don't know. It's I, it's such a strange space. I love it for artists. You know, like I think artists always need to find clever, innovative ways to make money from their work. And I love that one of the things about NFTs is that if someone, if there's a secondary market and it gets resold, the artist benefits from that, which is not the case today. So there are definitely positives. But as a collector, I don't quite. Not quite I'm, in that.
2: Yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little conflicted about it. In in when it comes to music, just the whole kind of trackability of it, and that in theory, when these are resold, the original artist can is supposed to get royalties off of it. Of course, I love that idea. I think that's a great thing because that's never really happened in the auction market. Right. If a man Ray goes up for. Well, I mean, I guess man Ray's past would. He's not around to collect yeah. the royalties, but for living artists who, who show up at auction, that's not the case. And in theory, that's what's supposed to happen Went with the NFTs. And mm. I know a, a, um, a painter in San Francisco who's just in the past maybe four months has become huge in the NFT market and his pieces are already being traded. So that's that's been wild to watch. And then a lot of the video art there's yes. Of photographers that
0: who... that makes some sense. That makes more sense. It's an electronic like presentation of it. There's no physical object. It is already electronic.
1: I have a question. Just bringing coming back to photography and like your love of it. Um, I was reading that your mother had sort of inspired your um, love of photography by the by her sort of documenting your childhood and and her love of. I guess the medium was literally the, the expression that was used. And I was like, I'm just sticking that in my memory. Um, can you tell me more about how you fell in love with this medium and what still inspires you about it? Yeah. So I mean, she always took pictures like
2: any mother would take pictures of her family, of the family. But mm-hmm. I want to say it was probably when I was about 13 or 14, she started taking photography classes at a local community college. And she was shooting mostly 35 millimeter and medium format. And, and just watching her was really exciting to me. And she started photographing or rather I became her model. So it became less about her taking pictures on Christmas Mm -hmm. and turned into, I would go out with her and, and she would photograph me. Mm -hmm. And then that turned into me also wanting to make pictures and I started taking um, I started taking classes with her at the community college and oh, that's cool that's well, so you were cute. just a
1: teenager mm-hmm. uh-huh.
2: and I started photographing my friends kind of in the way she was photographing me and love it
0: that's nice and it kept going and <laughs> you is she still taking pictures
2: she is mostly with her iPhone these days. I haven't actually seen her uh, bring out any of her her film cameras, but Hmm. I think she should.
0: So what do you like to shoot? Like, do, do you have a subject matter that still pulls you into taking pictures?
2: I often asked if I'm a photographer and that's always a question I get a little hung up on. And I think the real answer to that is I feel compelled to take pictures. I'm always taking pictures. I'm just less compelled to share them. I'm more involved in promoting other people's work at this point. But in talking about trees earlier, trees are, are I'm fascinated with trees. I, I cannot see enough pictures of trees and each one fascinates me.
1: I, th- I really identify with that statement, actually, because <laughs> I think that I, I also like taking pictures, but I mm-hmm. i think I have this, like, um, I I Feel like I'm creative in other areas of my life, but especially with photography, I just see everyone else's work out there. I'm like, oh, it's so much better. Like, oh, I don't want to share this. This, I'm taking this for me. I'm taking this for my own enjoyment. I'm taking this for my own um memory, sort of. Mm-hmm. And I think since uh Ruben and I have even started this podcast, it, it just getting me to, I would take pictures at certain points, like when I felt inspired. But the reality was it took a lot for me to actually kind of take a photo. Um, I felt like I was always just in like going fast, passing, 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 and to actually like go and take photos was like an act in and of itself. And I had to pause and I had to breathe and I had to like kind of do more work around it, which I would enjoy in the moment. And I would enjoy having those photos, but I still, I'm like not at the point where I'm, I'm ready to like share them. And as, especially cause I'm, you know, I see so, so much, so much great work. Do you kind of feel like that too? Because you, you know, as the gallery, um, as that, sorry. And I'm, I think I messed it up before. You're not the curator. You're the gallery director. Is that right? Um, as I'm, I'm the gallery director, which involves being a, a curator. Right. You know? Okay. Yes. Okay. But is it, is it like, it, does that kind of feed into it too? Cause you just are constantly surrounded by so much, so much work. That to I put yourself that's... out there? It feels weird.
2: I, yeah, I, I feel like I've just kind of come to terms with as long as I'm creating then, then I am satisfied.
1: Yeah. But,
2: but it is true. I am surrounded by photographs, by some of the best working photographers out there every day. So it's just, so that maybe makes it a little, little tricky in, in seeing as much photography as I do. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I've, I've kind of given a lot of thought to that as well, in terms of other mediums. Like music, for example. My dad's not a professional musician, but he plays music, but he plays it at home for his own enjoyment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have that. I want to go. On tour. On tour and (laughs) everyone. So I think it's kind of a a similar thing. Do it for the love of it.
0: I mean, I feel I've often felt that uh, the conflict there with being a collector and being a photographer and um, being intimidated by like, And almost embarrassed, I had this gallery in San Francisco and I would have my pictures out sometimes. And then I had the collection pictures out and I thought that's embarrassing actually to have Elliot Erwitt and Cartier-Bresson and then me, like, I don't think I'm comfortable with that, but I did. But on the other hand, it was really great to have our customers who would come in to have pictures printed and they would get to see their work alongside Ansel Adams. And, and I was surprised stuff. Sometimes holds up very well. Like I, I thought that silver prints next to, to the ink jet prints would look horrible, and it they didn't. I thought that the everything actually played well. And regular people's pictures can be very good. And, mm-hmm. and I found that the public would come in and look at stuff, and of course couldn't tell the difference between the Elliot Irwin and the the mom who came in and shot pictures. Sometimes like that was, that happened too, which is always surprising that you don't know the difference. But a good picture is a good picture in many cases. So.
2: No, that is true. And the way digital printing has evolved, unless you have a really trained eye anymore. And sometimes even if you do with the materials that are available, it can be very hard to discern sometimes from different types of prints. It's
0: amazing. It's actually amazing how good they've become. Um, but silver. But I, I, got, I have to say, and one of the things that's our soapbox in the show, it's like, I... I really don't believe it's photography until it's a print. Until It doesn't matter to me whether it's a silver print or a photogram or whatever, but it's a physical object. And that's the threshold that a photog- something has to hit to be photography. Other than that, you're still kind of in this virtual contact sheet kind of world that it's not really printed. It's not really a thing. Yeah,
2: you- well, c- circling back to the NFTs, I would <laughs> exactly. say probably my main issue with them is is I am such a fan of the the printed photograph that's 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 really important to me so in in missing that part um,
0: so, so i I had a I don't know that I want to go down this path but I'm going to give it a shot because I feel like you're you're someone I want to <laughs> talk to this. I mean it's a conversation I want to have I just don't know if it's right for us here but i'll I'll, I'll take it out here uh, in the sure. past um, recent period of time, I kind of come to grips with this idea that um, that there's a difference between photography and illustration and that uh, photography involves the capturing of a moment of some kind. It could be a, an instant. It could be a little volume of time. If it's a slow exposure, uh, you, can, you can you know, but dodge and burn and change stuff. But regardless of the device, that is what photography is. It's the capturing of this thing in real time. When you do something out of real time where you're composing it uh, in a dark room or on a computer. I'm, I now feel like that isn't a photograph. It's not photography. It's illustration. It's something I love. But the people that I love the most, it, many people who I love very much from Man Ray to Jerry Uelsman to Maggie Taylor, I, I have to put them in the box of, of like illustrators. Even though it's a photographic art, I would say that's a different art form that is, is, you know, you're composing it based on your skills of composition and you might be using photographic elements, but that is not the same as being able to do what Cartier Brissant did or Elliot what did, where they would catch something that was ha- fleeting and make it, you know, permanent. Mm-hmm. You think I'm on thin ice there you, or like, you know, because for me to take Jerry Uelsman, who's someone who is, you know, my... God, right? But to classify that work as really pioneering illustration work, not sort of avant-garde photography, it's something else. It's a. Am I going to catch a lot of flack on this position?
2: I, I don't think so, and and I think really just photography is. I mean, especially right now, it's changing at, at such a rapid rate, and and using Maggie Taylor as an example, she's one of the artists, photographers we represent. And and she goes out of her way to specifically not classify herself as, as really, or, or she, rather she doesn't say I'm a photographer. She refers to herself as an image maker. And she's basically stated that she's going to leave it up to us to define her, oh. but she's primarily represented by photography gallery. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, I think that it's, it's. I mean, it's just a semantic thing because it's a photographic art. It can, it, you can buy it and it's an object and it's on the wall. And I, I love that it's collected. But I think as people who walk around with their smartphones and they want to learn about photography, I would say that photography is, it must involve the catching of a moment. And if you, the minute you go, are creating it in post-production, which is a, a, a time-honored tradition, it's another thing. It's not photography. So uh, I'm curious if people will have issues with that, but that's mine.
2: Or another, another example would be Julie Blackman. She, she's been, one of the things she says often is she feels like fiction sometimes tells the truth more so than truth. And for those who aren't familiar with Julie's work, she photographs her, family in Springfield, Missouri and they are these pictures from her everyday life but there's usually a bit of a surreal twist to them they're they're highly staged so they're not that decisive moment she's not just walking down the street in Springfield making pictures there there's a lot of work that goes into composing these images but in in talking to her there's also a lot of things that are less left up to chance. For example, she's talked about she might rent a a cherry picker and a snowmaker and she'll bring in all this lighting and there's multiple people involved and she's there shooting, but maybe it's not right and she described one moment where her daughter accidentally dropped a banana that was that <laughs> aha moment within the making of this image.
0: There's so. a banana somewhere in the picture. <laughs>
2: yes it's called after the storm is is the specific photo and and the banana is actually on the i'm pointing like the bananas here yes um, <laughs> the banana is actually on the ground in in that particular image but i really do think it's an interesting time for for photography in that there's just different ways of pursuing what a, what a photographic image is and then you also have a lot more people Recently, going back to cameraless work or antique processes, so there's yeah. Yeah. there's a lot happening with photography.
0: Does Photoeye? Um, do you continue to discover new talent, or do you? Or because the, many of the people you've named are well-established uh, fine art photographers, but like, how, how do you do, go about doing that? How do you find new new photographers?
2: We do. So I, I really do enjoy love. Showing work of emerging artists alongside more established artists, so there's there's a few ways that we find artists. Books are one way. We have kind of an eyes on all the books that are coming in, so sometimes we'll see artists that way. I also do a lot of portfolio reviews mm. throughout the year, so that's um, that's actually where I met Bryant Austin. Was oh. at the um, Photo Alliance portfolio review at the San Francisco Art Institute that the Linda Connor started. Can
1: you tell us a little bit more? I was reading about the review events that you do and actually on your, um, I think it's on your blog, you give recommendations to the photographers and kind of how to prepare for Mm -hmm. a review event, which I thought was really interesting um, and useful (laughs) information. Can you talk a little bit about, um, about that and what you recommend?
2: Absolutely. So for those who aren't familiar with the review events, they, they happen at different, or there's there's quite a few of them in different parts of the country. PhotoFest was kind of one of the first.
1: Ruben's talked about it. his experience at PhotoFest before.
2: <laughs> yes,
0: it was humbling to say the least. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I loved so, it.
2: And yeah, that, that one goes on for, for two weeks and there's multiple sessions. Yeah. So these- it,
0: That's a big one. Like that's a, that's an extreme example of what some of these are like. Okay. That,
2: that's what I, yes, that's, that's what I have heard i haven't been to photo fest but uh rixon and vicky used to pack up half of the bookstore and actually set up a pop-up bookstore yes photo fest every year
0: that's right i know that's also another place i saw them yes
2: so the one in san francisco is is a smaller event that well it had been at the san francisco art institute moving forward i hope that will continue to happen.
0: I think things will come back. I, I, I have to believe things will come back to the way they, some things will come back the way they were. Uh, SFAI. That's right. Linda Connor.
2: I have some, yes.
0: of, some of her old,
2: older work. Yeah. Linda's amazing. Yeah. So, so in terms of the actual events, I've heard it compared to speed dating. So no. <laughs> that there, makes sense. It's, it's a series of one-on-one 20-minute discussions from different industry professionals and different photographers. And the professionals can be gallerists, book publishers, museum curators, photo editors, uh the full gamut, anybody who's really involved in photography in the professional world. And so what that allows the photographers is during the course of uh, a few days or a week, if it's photo fast, you get to sit down with all of these industry professionals and really just have a conversation is the best way Mm -hmm. I've explained it. And it it can be overwhelming. If you do one of these events, you're going to get a lot of different advice and some of it's going to be conflicting advice. And I usually tell photographers when they're doing that, you just kind of have to go in with, with thick skin be open to any of that advice and but really one of the main things well one of the major benefits is actually establishing relationships Mm -hmm. all of these people that you're meeting with and that's not just the industry professionals but it's the other photographers that are there as part of the event in preparing to go to one of these events you you really to get your money's worth. you really want to be ready to do that, you want to have a concise body of work and you probably want to have certain questions in mm-hmm. mind. And you and like I said before, you want to keep an open mind. Sometimes yeah. you meet people that are just here is my show kind of I want the- I want to hear you tell me it's amazing. <laughs> if you don't yeah. I'm going to shut down. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that would be easier to just show up and tell everybody that's great, but I don't feel like that's
1: doing anybody a favor. I mean, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. my question is actually just it. You like set it up perfectly. It's like how what advice do you have? Because I think this is relevant for not just a a photo review, but even just in life. Um, What advice do you have for those photographers sharing their work to to show that they have an open mind, that they're taking that feedback, even if they don't agree with it, but just that they're hearing it and that they're able to at least um, maybe potentially have that start a relationship with that person that is giving them hard feedback because they're showing how well they're taking it.
2: I would say for the most part, it's, it's just kind of the, the way you approach the conversation, just like you would approach any conversation. And each reviewer is going to want to look at the work in a different way. I, I tend to like to ask more about the person, their, their background, if they're showing a new body of work, maybe what preceded that. And, and I mean, I, yeah, how do I answer that? I would say just really, if anything, it's just the, the willingness to have a conversation and, and, and be open about Mm -hmm. things and it, it's, it, it can be very uncomfortable. Sometimes it's, it's very obvious when somebody kind of more approaches it of hello, I am this person. This is my work. What are you going to do for me? I've <laughs> had people almost literally say See that, that? Oh. and, and that's, that's really uncomfortable. And, and, and I've been on the other side of, of the table as well. And it's, and it's been a while, but, but I understand, too, what it's like to put your work out there and, and have people. I, I, I don't want to say I tear apart anybody's work, but I'm going to give honest feedback about it. And that's really why you're there. And it, and it can be hard Absolutely. to hear those things. And- I, had the,
0: I had the first person look at my stuff and said that I had an, uh, an ordering problem. Like the pictures were in the wrong order, and she spent a fair amount of our 20 minutes moving them all around. And then I was not sure, like, do I take them in this? I did. I went to the next person with them in the new order, curious. They didn't respond. You know, at some point I ended up putting it back because I was I got a little bit of feedback like that. I understood what she was doing. It was pretty a strong thing to do, actually. But but I got it, you know, I I feel like you need to get harsh feedback. Like, uh, yeah. most people will just tell you, Oh, that's that's great. And it's really useless kind of feedback. As much as you don't want someone to rip it apart, you also really want someone to say something constructive that you can get better. Short, if short want of a saying, coach, we, You know, I mean, you're going to have to hear you. the
1: feedback. Yeah. I, I mean, but, but if, like,
0: what I mean, you want them to say is like, oh my God, I can't believe I've discovered you. And um, we're going to put up a show of your stuff tomorrow, right? That's your dream. And <laughs> it doesn't really happen like that or not to me. you know. <laughs> not,
2: not usually immediately, but if you sit down and have a conversation with this person, you establish that relationship. And then a lot of times I'll want to watch people's work. Mm. Or, or there's one example where Photo um, Lucida, which is in... San or not in San Francisco, Portland. Mm. They have an in-person portfolio review, but there's also Critical Mass, which is a yearly online review, and it's kind of less of a review. It's there's there's people from all over the country looking at the work in their own time, and they can leave comments, but for the most part, they're they're they're, they're more voting, I would say, and and mm. the winner or there's a top. 50 selected and sometimes there's an exhibition and usually the someone might um get a book deal out of it and so it's it's less of a review but it's but it's a way to have your work seen is this like a reddit
1: style like upvoting so everyone's everyone's like oh I like this one I like this one and whatever's getting upvoted is what kind of wins
2: kind of I think usually there's a score of one through five and okay Maybe one is, I like this, and five is, wow, and you can leave feedback for all of the photographers. And and this is a yearly event that happens, and it's coming up pretty soon as well. So it's a really good opportunity because you just get to get your photography in front of a lot of people's eyes. And maybe you don't get to meet the person. Mm -hmm. But um, circling back, there was one time where there was a photographer, I saw his work in critical mass. And so I was already familiar with it. And then maybe six months later, I went to San Francisco to look at work and he showed up at my table. So I already knew his work and was already a fan of the work. And so that was a little bit of a different situation. I was like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. I already know your work. And so there becomes kind of the circuit of a lot of these photographers that do a lot of these events. So more than anything, it's it's, it's building relationships. Mm-hmm. And, I'll buy that. Yeah. It's, it's true. <laughs>
0: I was surprised. I mean, I didn't go to photo fest. I didn't think that I was meeting photographers. I thought I was meeting the, the judgey type people, the mentors. And of course you're sitting around with the photographers most of the time and they do become, it does become your, uh, I don't know your class it feels like your class like how did you do how did that go you know and, and, and there's the people who you like and you hope that they do well because that's kind of reinforcing your own sense of things um i was impressed actually at, the, at these things how much care went into the printing uh the the presentation of these objects um you know yes you can print on a on a inkjet printer and it's a beautiful thing and you can even make that very, very good. But a lot of people are doing, you know, interesting types of vellums and gold leaf on the stuff. Like they're really making beautiful works with a lot of attention to the object that's being created. And I think I didn't realize how much they were treating it like, like other art, you know, other types of art forms and not just photography where you take the picture and now we have a print of the picture. You know what I mean? Is that?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, Kind of, yeah, kind of what I'm talking about where where photography's changing so much. And that's a little different than people going back to, to antique processes, but kind of, so you'll mm-hmm. see there's definitely a trend. And I've seen a lot of people recently maybe making platinum prints on vellum that are gilded with gold leaf on the back. And there's, there's always been this little conversation, I think, between photography and other art mediums and
0: and people are buying that stuff. Like I know photographers are exploring making it, but um, it's also popular in the collect on the other side.
2: It is. So one, one photographer I'll, I'll use as an example is Kate Brakey. And she she's always brought some sort of hand application to all of her work. The earlier work she was recognized for was primarily silver gelatin prints, which were hand colored, which is not necessarily a new process but if i about five years ago do you have some
0: oh that's (laughs) yulesman's hand-colored uh flower from 68 he only did a couple prints of the hand coloring of that one Uh, it's above you uh it's on the it's sitting right there oh oh you know that picture
2: i do i love yulesman's work yeah
0: Yeah. not photography but beautiful no sorry
2: (laughs) (laughs) So Kate Brakey, a few years ago, started creating what she's referring to as modern oratones. Hmm. Hmm. And they're modern oratones in that they're printed using a digital process on the reverse side of museum glass. And then she hand gilts the back. Wow. The historic oratone was printed with a chemical process. And then, as I understand, it was usually gold leaf. Mm -hmm. on the backing and i always reference edward curtis he did not invent the process but was one of the more notable photographers making aura tones historically and so i want to say about five years ago kate started making these and they are just i mean they're just gorgeous they they really are they like Edward Curtis, the reason she started exploring this process is it brings a little more dimension to the, to the three dimension or to a one dimensional image works. You'll have to come by Ruben. And see I, you. I
0: can't wait to come by. I wanted to do the show first, just to sort of have met you before showing up at, the, <laughs> at your door, but uh, I can't wait sure. to see this place. And I'm excited. And I'm excited for you to come by here. And, and uh, I would love that. It should be, it's, it's like a a mini tiny version of what you guys have out there.
1: (laughs) Amazing. And what is your favorite part about being a gallery director? So many things, but I think, well, okay. I
2: just love photography. So being able to have conversations about photography about every day is, is really fulfilling to me. Mm -hmm. And then just, the the pe- well, I mean, just the people I get to interact with, and and that is the photographers, that is the collectors, that is people who just stop by and want to look at work. Being able to
1: just have the prints on hand that I can, I, I wish I could bring all of them home.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: are you able to bring any on loan? Like, do you have any on your walls now that are like? That you are get, you give back, or that you work with a photographer. Or like, do, what what's on your walls? I, I do have a small collection, but <laughs> on a
2: day to day basis, I can go to the gallery, and we have multiple drawers of Kate Greys. I can't I can't buy all the Kate Greys, but
0: <laughs> here, <laughs> tell us the
2: drawers and and share them with other people.
0: Tell us what's on your walls that you've collected that's in your house. Like a couple pictures that are particularly meaningful to you.
2: So the the pieces that come to mind immediately are pieces that I wake up to every day, meaning they're hanging in my bedroom. And the first one I'll mention is the first piece or first serious piece I added to my collection, which is by Don Hung Oi. I don't know if you know his work. He was a Chinese photographer who immigrated to San Francisco in the seventies, I want to say. And he was working in the Yulesman style in that he was printing from multiple negatives in the dark room, only he was working with glass plate negatives. Oh. And I love his story. His story is just so exciting. So so he shows up in San Francisco and he's making these little compositions and they're mostly images from the River Lee. But they're all slightly unique. For example, he might, there might be a few versions of the same print of the same image, but maybe the boat's going a different direction or there's a different tree, little details like that. He also added That's calligraphy. Cool. And so yeah. he was selling these at street fairs in San Francisco for years. And then Ruth Silverman, I don't know if you know Ruth Silverman, she was a photo dealer in, in Berkeley unfortunately passed away a few years ago, but Ruth met him and helped him establish his career, helped him publish his first book. Wow! And going back before I worked at PhotoEye, I followed PhotoEye, I received the newsletters, all of that. And I had been a big fan of his work. And I want to say my first week at the gallery, we were consigning a few prints. And it was my assignment to pick out which prints we were going to get. And, um, so there was a few of them and I, I love them all, but there was one particular image that just had the special quality to it. It wasn't any, any of his books. It wasn't published. It didn't even have a title. And I, I just knew the moment I thought that, that I had to have it. And, um, so that that is one of my favorite pieces, and uh, I see that every day Can when you I wake up. Describe
1: what it like. What's happening in the image? It's it's a pretty.
2: I'll, I'll send you guys a picture of it. Okay. It's I mean it's a pretty simple scene. It's it's the river. There's a guy going by on a boat. There's a kind of a silhouetted tree branch in the foreground. But compositionally, it's just so beautiful, and just the the quality of the print and you'll, you'll understand when you see it. Okay.
0: Okay. will give us one more.
2: So the other one I'm going to mention is by Tom Chambers. I don't know if you know Tom's work. He's, he's yeah. been in a few shows with Jerry Yulesman and Maggie Taylor. So mm-hmm. he's a montage artist using Photoshop as a tool. And this one is called horse talk and it's one of his earlier pieces. But the reason that I originally purchased this print was I saw it at a um, the Center for Contemporary Arts in Santa Fe I think it was was having an auction and and we represent Tom at PhotoEye, but I, I saw this print at this auction and what really made me decide to buy it is I I immediately recognized it was not on the type of paper he prints on these days this was. An earlier print it was a completely different type of paper and it was signed on the front as opposed to on the back which he does today so that was one of those kind of recognizing the the print and the image but that that was kind of part of the story that that led me to to bring it home
1: It is a beautiful image that it's kind of two horses, both are sort of neighing or almost like bearing their their teeth. And then the woman is trying to calm them down, but her dress is almost the same color as the sky. Yes, that that is the one.
0: Well-described, yes, beautiful.
2: Great description of that. And yeah, so I, I love all of Tom's work, but that's the primary reason that that particular image is in my room.
0: Interesting. You are drawn to these certain some of these montage. Not that that is, but is that?
2: It is. It is actually yes. Yeah. So he's. well. Wow. I am a big fan of montage. That is that is true. But I'll add one one third image really quickly that is not montage, mm-hmm. which is actually not sure what it's called, but it's a photograph by Pentti Samalati. He's a Finnish I, photographer.
0: I love Penti stuff. Yeah.
2: Which and one? it's the one there's a little frog in the foreground and he's popping out of a lake and there's a full moon behind him.
0: Wow. I I love Penty. That's that's great.
2: And so he's more in the style of the, the decisive moment. I had the opportunity to interview Penty for the photo I blog, so you can find that there.
0: Is he not well known as much as he should be? Is that your sense? Because I feel like I feel like his work is phenomenal, and I can't believe how much people don't already know who he is. He's, he's an older guy, and I felt like he should be well collected at this point.
1: I,
2: I would say yes and no. in, in fin, I mean, he got a 15-year grant from the Finnish government at a certain <laughs> point, so in, in Finland he's, he's definitely... Quite well-known, but I I don't think he's quite as well-known as maybe he should should be be. in the the U.S., that is. But he also, he doesn't addition his prints. He just doesn't believe in it. I think that's kind of lovely. (laughs) He will print images in different sizes, tone them in different ways. So he's just this very... Free spirit, very much a wanderer. He he's still shooting all film, still makes all silver gelatin prints. So well, I I feel like yeah, he, he's known, but he's
1: he's definitely one of my favorite photographers.
0: Though. Interesting.
1: The image is so, it's so fascinating because it's like the only part of focus is like the frog's head. (laughs) And then there's this perfectly smooth gradient, like he's coming out of this body of water that looks like a perfect rectangle. And it's this almost seamless gradient that goes from like a light gray to the dark gray in the foreground. Then there's like this sort of swatch of land that's blurry, but then the moon is, it almost looks like a flashlight. It's kind of like this like perfect circle in the upper left. And you just have these two like stark elements that pull you in and kind of your eyes are like toggling between them. It's a strangely like strangely compelling image that I just, I'm finding myself just continuing to stare at. It's, it's quite cool.
0: I find a lot of (laughs) his pictures have that kind of mysterious and he's in the Cartier-Bresson kind of way. He's caught these, um, he's made these perfect compositions just magically you know he's caught them and composes in the fly it's why one of the things i I love about his work is how good he is at catching those moments
1: i have like one last question just uh, just because i'm curious one of the things that i'd read that you just you love being able to offer a platform for you know photographers to be able to show their work and you know share their kind of perspective on beauty Mm -hmm. and i was wondering when you're curating a show how How do you do that? How do you curate? Do you are you thinking about the images? Are you thinking about the different types of individuals? Like, how do you go about curating a show? It really depends on what the show is. If
2: it's a solo show or a group show, Mm -hmm. but I guess one show that I'll note specifically that is one of my favorites was called Light and Metal, and it was primarily cameraless work or unique works, and that show. I actually had about 13 different artists in it and most of them I had met or the photographers I had met them at portfolio reviews maybe in a five to seven year span of time oh wow So I didn't really say this earlier but when I come out of the reviews I kind of have this mental database of maybe there's not an immediate opportunity for to work with this person but I would like to in, in the future. So. You're like
1: building a bench. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Figuring out so. when to put them in the game.
2: I- so that, yeah. that show, the digital version of it is still on our website in the, in the gallery artist section. So you can, can you kind say of-
1: the name one more time of that show, as well as um, just give the, the photo eye sort of your URL so we can make sure that that's edited into the show as well as anything else you may want to promo.
2: Sure. So the, the website is photo and, the title of that exhibition was Light and Metal. And if you go to the gallery artist section of our website, there's a group portfolio that has all of the work from that show. And it was primarily cameraless work, which is. I love a lot of different types of work, but I have an affinity for that type of work, just kind of going back to the origin of photography.
1: Mm. The lights. And the material. So it, that's really using like a photosensitive material, and just mm. limited exposure directly on that photosensitive material. Is that how that works?
2: Exactly. So we had mentioned earlier. I've well, I don't know if we'd quite gone into it, but on the Photo Eye blog, there is a series I started recently, which is Photo Eye Conversations, which are mm-hmm. all Zoom conversations I've had with photographers in this past year
1: oh cool and and
2: one of the recent ones is with a photographer Amanda Marchand and she she mostly does cameraless work but the series we were talking about in the recent photo eye conversation was all photograms that she had created that were also lumen prints
1: what is a photogram?
2: So a photogram would be the result of placing an object directly on top of light sensitive paper.
1: Ah, I see. It's
2: like
0: shadows and.
2: Oh, like a leaf or a branch or a body or. Okay. Kind of going back to the rayogram. Yeah. That is.
0: I would, I would love to sit and chat all day, (laughs) but it is. Time for us to go hang out with our families a little bit. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, I just, yes, I really would love to have you come back and hear more. I think this has been uh, really interesting and especially hearing about um, how you've sort of trained your eye. Your, your references are really incredible with the, the number of photographers you know and um, how you can kind of like pull the commonalities between them. Um, So I'd love to hear more just about how you've trained your eye over the years uh, next time you come back, because I think that would be another fascinating show. Uh, I will wrap it up, Ruben. Our show is recorded and produced in San Francisco and Santa Fe. Go to neomodern.com slash podcast to get show notes, see photos, and post comments. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now. And leave reviews and ratings. Well, especially if you like us.
0: We get listeners from you telling your friends and spreading the word. If you know someone who might get something from us, send them a link. Thanks to Mitchell Foreman for our theme music, our guest, Anne Kelly. Thank you for joining us today and all of you for hanging out with us. We appreciate your attention and hope we've given you some
2: things to think about. Until next time.